What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 21 of season five. I'm your host, Kurt Field. And it is ya boy, Dog. We're back in action. This is episode 21, Kurt, uh, of this season, because obviously this show has many episodes, of this season, uh, now our podcast can officially drink. And the way the Patriots season is going, it's making us want to drink, too. It, for for so many different reasons you know when we want them to win yep. they lose when we want them to lose they win <laughs> they're just a very stubborn 21 year old yeah so i mean relatable but also uh patriots come on yeah couldn't you just be like a good kid for a while yeah. like you know you're still in college don't have a big boy job yet like just just settle down, would you please? Just 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 calm it down, Patriots. Literally just calm it down. Oh god, Bruno, I think this is a good place to start. We um uh, slightly different format today. Just really uh we're going to go uh in a little more conversational style between between the fellas. Um and I think what needs to be said too, Bruno, is the fact that like we haven't had a pot you and I have not done a pod in a couple weeks here, pal. Yeah, it has not been, uh, or it has been a minute since we have been together. But listen, we started in the summer with a different different format in the summer. We went to the regular season doing the recaps, and we've evolved over the course of the season. Whether or not it's been a good evolution, I'm not, you know, it's been an evolution. Just like the Patriots always used to say, when December rolls around, they're playing their best football. Who knows? Who Who's to say that when December has rolled around, playing the field hasn't been doing its best podcasting? Who is to say? Whomst? Is to say, uh, not I, not I, not I, pal. So Bruno, let's uh, let's first talk about um, a little C-word Eve game for the Patriots. Right, they go out to Denver. Denver currently sitting at seven and seven going into this game. People are like, all right, you know, Denver competing for a playoff spot, Mile High Stadium. Patriots absolutely never play well mm. out at Mile High. Mm. No shot. Patriots win this game, right? Right? Wrong. Wrong. Goddamn sickos. 26-23, Patriots beat the Broncos. Uh, Patriots move to a whopping 4-11. and And Denver drops to 7-8. and Bruno, this game got all sorts of crazy in the third quarter. All right? <clears throat> Halftime score, Pats are down 7-3. Game was kind of inching along. I was like, eh, you know, we're hanging around. They're hanging around, just hanging around. And then all of a sudden, an onslaught of Patriot touchdowns happened. And I didn't know what to, I didn't know what to do with my hands. Uh, first was Ezekiel Elliott on a 15-yard touchdown. Boy looked spry. Caught a pass from Bailey Zappi. Hurdled a goddamn defender. 
leaped into the end zone for a touchdown. Pats went up nine to seven. Uh, naturally, Chad Ryland missed an extra point. Uh, he missed a couple other kicks during the game. He didn't make a pretty big one, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that uh, later in the third quarter. Mike Kosicki, eleven yard touchdown. Bailey Zappi was uh, you know moving around the pocket, stepped up in the pocket, found Kosicki on a third and nine from the eleven yard line for a touchdown, and then literally fucking the next play. We kick off to the Broncos. Mr. Mims kind of muffs it, then starts to return it, then gets stripped, and then Cody Davis lands on the ball in the end zone. Touchdown, Patriots. In the blink of a goddamn eye, it was 23-7. to I was like, oh, these idiots. They went and done it now, Bruno. They went and done it now. But in classic Patriot fashion, Bruno, was that the end? What, was it a comfortable win for the Patriots? Mm, Kurt, no. nothing has been comfortable about our entire season, unfortunately. No, nothing. Nothing in the entire world has been uncomfortable. Has been comfortable for them this year. So naturally, Denver down sixteen points rattles off two straight touchdown drives with two point conversions, and all of a sudden this bitch is tied up twenty three twenty three. Now the Patriots' last drive, little funky monkey, if you ask me, pal. They were, the Patriots were content going to overtime. You know, they had a chance to try to you know push the ball down the field. Two minutes to go. They didn't really look interested. No. A run from Ezekiel Elliott for like a yard. A run for Ezekiel Elliott for like two yards. And all of a sudden, it's third and seven with like 48 seconds left in the game. And then all of a sudden, Devontae Parker wants to be a, a good NFL wide receiver. Ooh, ooh, ah. Ooh. First time he's done that in a long time. <laughs> Bailey Zappi hits him for like a 30-yard gain. It's like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Now, now they're moving a little bit. All of a sudden, it comes down to... We're in the field goal range, yeah. barely, for a normal NFL kicker. But we we trot out Chad Ryland out there, who's missed fucking five of his last eight kicks in the NFL. Yep. And all of a sudden, this douchebag makes a 56-yard field goal, and the Pats win 26-23. Bruno, what was your, what was your gut reaction when, when that kick went in? Well, Kurt, let me just back up a tiny bit to the actual drive itself, too. Because, like you said, it was really important that we say – the Patriots were certainly not playing to even do anything at the start of that last drive. Literally, they go for a run. Like, what? The drive started with less than a minute left. I forget. In the 50s for seconds. They go for a run, and the Den- the Broncos immediately call timeout after that. And then they're almost, like, challenging us. And then we do another run play. Clearly, we're not trying to do anything. And then Broncos call, call another timeout. And it's like, Jesus Christ, Broncos, just fucking let this game go to overtime. And so you know what the Patriots said? They were just like, fuck you. You call timeouts, bitch. Devontae Parker clutch catch game winning field goal it was almost just like the broncos dared us to do that it's like first of all how dare we even have that essay to do that ourselves but second of all it's like broncos just fucking relax like uh, we're we weren't going to do anything and all of a sudden we did that out of spite because you kept calling timeouts kurt when that field goal went in after we've already seen ryland miss field goal this year to literally lose us a game what was that the giants whatever game that was we've literally already seen this story and after, like you said, he already missed kicks today. It was just the most SMH thing of all time. Like, are, like seriously, you've missed this many kicks and like you finally make one when it's like we need you to miss it the most. On a personal level, because he's been getting a lot of hate and it's not like I, I like him or want him to stay, but on a personal level, great. Like I'm sure on a human level, it's great for him to make one. I'm sure he felt like good and that's a highlight he can have. On a Patriots level, just a disaster. That's a, that's a game we needed to lose. Like, again, I said this uh, on the pick six, like, 
What is pretty interesting about the Patriots is they are just, I guess, they're not a team who's going to sit there and tank on purpose. Like, as badly as we want them to have a good draft pick, they're not about that life. And there's no, there's not a, a, a bone in Bill Belichick's body that's trying to purposely lose football games. Old man's like 72 years old or something. He's close to breaking the NFL record and wins. He's not trying to. He's like, oh, let's just wait. Let's let's just, let's just wait. Bills, no, we're not. He's not doing that. These guys play their nuts off. Bruno, this defense. Are you shitting me? You and I could be the starting cornerbacks on this <laughs> defense, and they'd still find a way to compete. It's incredible. Yeah, and Kurt, I think that's a good point about uh, like what this team is built for and how Bill has them playing. Like. Yes, you and I have been advocating all like the second half for the majority of the season for them to lose just because of their record and where things were going. But honestly, this game and maybe some other games this year, that's like probably more indicative of where the talent level of the Patriots uh, roster is. Yes, there's a bunch of things that needs to be addressed. You've talked about that in recent weeks and they will have challenging like offseason and time moving forward. Right. But like the game yesterday and some of those other games where we've won, even maybe that Bills game, like that's probably closer to what our record is. We're probably a 500 team, maybe a little bit better if some of those games earlier in the season that we just like screwed up or like things didn't bounce our way. That's probably the record. So like, again, I think we get that. You're absolutely right. The defense is balling out there. Like there could have been a year where we just had some better bounces and more confident quarterback play. And like that defense would be one of the major reasons we'd be aiming for a playoff spot in these last two weeks. It is really impressive what the defense is doing, but it's just one of those things where it's like, Agreed. It's great they're playing hard. It's a testament to Bill Belichick that he still has the players buying in. But that being said, despite all of that, you know, we're still going to have a horrible record. We're still not going to make the playoffs. And it's almost like what you and I have been saying this whole season is like, well, let's just maximize the value of what we could get this season from playing poorly. And it's just we're not doing that because, like you said, it's hard. It's hard for Bill to be like, go loose. Like, I, I get it. But, you know, we're sitting with four wins now. The commanders have lost six games in a row. Now they're sitting at four wins. And it's like, oh, boy. Yeah, and their strength of schedule is lower than the Patriots, which means they're the three, the number three pick. And all accounts point to they're going to need a quarterback. So, yikes. Yikes. Yeah, Bruno, two more things in regards to this game. Yeah. Number one, let's quickly just talk about Bill Belichick for sure. a second. All right, like I said, uh, Bill not in, the, not in the, uh, not around at the moment for tanking. So what does this what does this mean for the future of Bill Belichick with the Patriots? I want to read you something that popped up on the the Twitter sphere today. Um it was from Greg Bedard who appeared on Felger and Maz, the radio show earlier this week, basically saying um they were talking about, you know, how the Tommy Curran report came out about like Bill's gone, like it Crafts yep. made his mind up. Yep. Yada, yada, yada. Bedard kind of sort of doubled down on that, but also was like, it might not be what you think. Hmm. So basically he said that Bill uh, Robert Kraft is incredibly, quote unquote, conflicted about what to do with Bill Belichick. Basically saying uh, in this article that Kraft didn't believe the players would be playing this hard. For their coach, currently, uh, and the the I'm going to read you this quote. Yep. I don't think winning two of the last three games against teams going nowhere 
does anything to change the minds of the Patriots are fundamentally not a fundamentally. I'm going to re fucking start that because I, <laughs> I did not read that properly. I okay. Know, basically I'm going to, I'm going to summarize the beginning of this because it's just, it's too wordy. Okay. Basically there's winning two of the last three games against the Steelers and the Broncos change anything that this season has been a disaster. No, they're a fundamentally flawed football team. Yes, that is what it is. Here's the part of the quote that matters. However, I will say that making calls the last day or so and talking to people in the building, Robert Kraft is making calls to people who he trusts and he knows about who know the Patriots football program. One person specifically said they think that Robert is incredibly conflicted at this point. And I think that all things being equal, I do think the Crafts had settled on. We need to move on in a different direction after this season. But there is a real difference between making that decision and Robert actually going through with it, actually sitting down with Bill and saying, I think it's time for us to go different ways. I do think it's going to be hard for Robert to ultimately pull the trigger. I don't know if he does it. So people within the building kind of like, yeah, like it seemed like it was dead in the water for a while. But then now potentially that might not, might not be on the table. And the other part that Bedard brought up, which I do believe is an incredibly uh, pressing-ish part of this, is <clears throat> ultimately at the end of the day, you look at Robert Kraft's resume, right, Bruno? Yes, he came in. He saved the day. He, he, he owned the Patriots through the dynastic period where they won six Super Bowls. They had Tom Brady, they had Bill Belichick, the best coach, the best quarterback in NFL history on the same team together for two decades. But ultimately, at the end of the day, whether it was Bill Belichick's decision or not, on Robert Kraft's resume is the fact that he let Tom Brady walk away. So is that incredibly fair to him? No, not really, because you know, you know how much Robert loved Tom. But at the end of the day, he ultimately made the choice of letting Bill do what he wanted and sticking by the coach. And then Tom goes off to have immediate success in Tampa Bay. So let's say, for example, I mean, it's clear as shit. Bill Belichick can still coach the hell out of a football team. Am I wrong? I mean, with the day way the defense is playing, you can't say it again. You can't be against that. So, I mean, Bill is still a, a quality NFL coach. I think it fucking scares Robert Kraft. Say, Say he does say, Bill, thank you. This has been the best, you know, 25 years with you, but we're going to, we're going to move on. And Bill goes somewhere and Bill immediately wins. Kraft is going to have that on his resume now. That you let the greatest quarterback go of all time. You let the greatest coach of all time go. And all of a sudden they're winning immediately after they leave. It, that has to be scary. I think Robert Kraft wants to be, <clears throat> so well respected and so well liked by the fan base that like those those decisions matter, and I don't think I I don't I think he's worried about making the wrong one. What do you what is your take on that? Yeah, those are all interesting points, and you know what this kind of reminds me of. You know when they say uh, like in baseball when there's a, a bang bang play, the runner is like going towards first base and it's too close to call, and they say like the tie goes to the runner. I almost feel like that can be applied to this in terms of whether he stays or leaves. And like the tie in this case would go to him staying. Like, I feel like for him to leave, there would need to be such overwhelming sentiment and reasons. And like it to be almost so obvious 
that like it's time for him to go even from like you said from the fans right like there need to be almost overwhelming fan sentiment being like it's time for him to go in order for him to be able to make that decision and we got to a point earlier this season where that seemed like a there was that everybody was saying that and b it seemed like what we could see on the field was supporting that right like we did get there. that that was like the, the low point of the season for us and, like when we had all those losses hold on Bruno, I'm going to pause a second. Someone has knocked on the door. Please oh, hold. Five hours later. And we are back from Cisco barking up a storm. Listen, Cisco's a very good dog. Uh, when someone comes to the house, Cisco just wants to, uh, we we protect. We know attack, but we protect. Cisco protected and Kurt dealt the situation. And we're back. Kurt, are you happy to be back? Yeah. These mumbo jumbo guys came out here <laughs> to talk my ear off about solar insurance. No, thank you. No, moving thank you. on. <laughs> Listen, uh, you know, they were there to talk solar insurance. We're here to talk some Patriots and NFL. So, Kurt, I think uh, all I was essentially saying was um, the Patriots for Kraft specifically to to deal with the Belichick situation. I think I was just saying you'd need it to be like, you know, clear and overwhelming evidence and a situation where nobody would look at it and be like, oh, what are you doing? Which I do think. We got to at a point earlier this season, especially with some of our results that were horrid. We're getting blown out. We're scoring zero points. We're losing at home, all that sort of shit. But like you've been saying and like we've been talking about, we've had some better results. Like we have not seen the players quit. Like it, it, it can be kind of obvious sometimes when the players aren't putting the effort in. You can see the players putting the effort in. You can see the defense, which he largely coaches and is like behind a lot. Obviously, other coaches too, but which is largely him, despite all their injuries, play at like an above average top tier, maybe not elite, but great level defensively, right? So it's like there are now questionable variables in here that aren't the like overwhelmingly like it's so obvious what we should do. And I completely agree. Like if we have any sort of showings over these next two weeks, we're playing the Bills and the Jets, where we're competing, we're fighting, even going one and one, somehow even going two and out. Oh. Like if there's anything like that, it completely muddies the water. And I think Kraft in a way almost, not that he doesn't like that we're competing and playing hard, but he almost would have wanted and needed the Patriots just to go on like a massive losing streak to end the season to then have that be the reason why he gets Bill Belichick. If you're asking me for my opinion, I think the water has been too muddied with like, oh, now there's some good things happening that it almost feels like the tie is going to the runner, a.k.a. Belichick staying. Like that's that's kind of what it feels like Yeah, based on where we've I, been going. So, okay, how would you feel if he was the coach here next year? So that, I mean, that's, that is the other part of this conversation, right? That we've almost been talking this whole year like he wouldn't be. Here's the thing, Kurt, right? I think what had what we were facing earlier in the season was we were pretty sure, and again, nothing's nothing's guaranteed, right? But we were pretty sure early in the season we were going to get a top two pick and we were going to get one of the top two quarterbacks being Caleb Williams, Drake May, whichever one was going to fall to us at two because I don't think we were ever going to be in that number one spot. Now we're at number four, like you said, and there's a pretty good chance we stay at four. There's a pretty good chance we don't get one of the top guys. And so I was excited about the idea of one of those top offensive guys, like a, a young like Sean McVay type, Kyle Shanahan type, Mike McDaniel type, any one of those, like you, you can't know that for sure. But we had thrown around Ben Johnson from the Lions offensive coordinator, anyone like that to pair with like a new quarterback to start them in the cycle together, like to restart, rebuild, get them in there together, help a new quarterback come in. Cause we obviously just saw what Mac Jones went through, right? If we're not taking a quarterback that high, and that isn't to say we don't take a quarterback at all. Right. But like, if we're not taking one of those top two guys, 
that maybe changes things because then it's like, I don't know what we, we do. Like, are we going to go out and like sign Joe Flacco this offseason? Are we going to go out and like get one of those random veteran guys and like wait to see what happens next year? Like, I think my what I would want would kind of depend on what we're doing. Like, are we saying that this end of the season showed that we were better than our record suggests, meaning that we think we can just go get some random veteran and be like, we're going to be okay. Or are we going to do the full rebuild and like try to get the franchise quarterback somehow? If we're going the franchise quarterback and it's a top elite guy, I still think I'd rather, I would probably rather some new, like young blood, fresh head coach to come in because again, our offense still needs help. Our defense isn't playing where our offense needs help. But if we're not doing that, then maybe it is just like, you know, we, we pretend that this year, our record should have been better. We maybe would have been a fringe playoff team if some bounces had gone our way. And maybe with some more stability next year, we will be a playoff team. Maybe that's what the play is. Yeah. So for me, I would, if Bill Belichick's coaching the Patriots next year, I'm not mad about it. But what concerns me is, I feel like we've been saying this for years. This is the most important draft in the last 25 years of the Patriots. Like, you haven't been this low in the draft in a long time. You gotta, you gotta cash in. Like, you have to hit a home run with your first pick. Whether I mean, it's not going to be Caleb Williams, it's not going to be Drake May. But if it's somehow like Marvin Harrison or like somebody who just moves a needle, like you need a needle mover. And I just the the track record for Bill in the draft is not strong. And that that's what scares me a little bit. So uh, it'll all play out. We'll see. Uh, I do think you raise a very important question here now with the number four pick. Like, what's the plan at quarterback? Is it a Kirk Cousins off a torn ACL? Is it a Jacoby Brissett and a Bailey Zappi next year? Or potentially, Bruno, there's another quarterback that uh, all of a sudden – is going to be available? Huh? Bruno. Russell Wilson out in Denver? What? Mm. So that's another another fish to throw in the pond there. Maybe Bill reels that one in. Who know who knows? But Bruno, it'll be interesting to see. Um I do want to talk about Russ though. I think we got I think we got to talk about a little Russ. What what you got? What do you got? Yeah, yeah, I want to talk about Russ cuz that is one option. The other thing I want to say cuz you brought this up and just before we move on completely agree one of our most important drafts we'll be facing and there still is the question i think you even said this earlier this season say bill stays is it like craft is like you're staying but you're not having the same gm powers and privileges that you've had this whole time like we're going to do something else that would be a question too kurt it like i have been kind of selling myself on either jake may or cable Lance for so long because we've been in that position for so long it is kind of interesting, though, when you think and look at, like, what could theoretically be the Super Bowl matchup this year? What we just saw this past week, Ravens 49ers. Ravens, Lamar Jackson was pick 32, and Brock Purdy, everyone knows this by now, was Mr. Irrelevant. So, like, yeah, those are two, like, examples. That doesn't mean that's how it happens every time, because obviously it doesn't. But, like, I'd also, I want to at least, maybe I'm talking myself into this. I would be disappointed if we don't have a top two pick. But if we really do think there's a guy somewhere that can be the guy in the draft, even if it's not one of those top two, like it's worked for some of these other top teams. Like we've seen quarterbacks play well that aren't like the top guy. And we have seen some of the recent top guys. And it's like Bryce Young looking like doo-doo. Like uh, CJ Stroud obviously wasn't the top guy, even though he was number two, I guess. Or like Trevor Lawrence, not all his fault, but like he it hasn't, he's the number one guy, hasn't always worked out. So like just throwing that option out there as well. Um, but Kurt, 
you brings you brings us back to the what you just segued us to beautifully. By the way, may I add as as you always thank do, you the Russell Wilson situation, but a little bananas. Um, we were obviously part of that, which is actually kind of funny because we were <laughs> being we just talked about the Broncos game. We were one of those putting the nail at the coffin. But Kurt, uh, you share you shared some news with me uh, before we started really quick that it might not even be. I mean, obviously, it wasn't just the Patriots game, but like it might not even be a recent thing for the Broncos. Like Russell Wilson might be available, and that might even stem back a little farther than we had previously thought. Kurt, uh, Kurt, what 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 are, we, what are we talking here? How far along back might this be tracing to? Back to early October, mid October, Bruno, Jeez. when the Broncos approached Russell Wilson about a pay cut, and uh, sounds like the NFLPA had to get involved. The NFL had to get involved. This was all very quiet, a little behind closed doors action. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, the dirty laundry is now out and about pal yeah uh it is wild and like it's it's kind of crazy because there was all this stuff going on about how like he gets vested money in march if it's it's injury protection money and it's like a significant amount it's like 37 and a half million or something crazy like that and so the broncos were like you know if we're not going anywhere this year let's sit him if he's not gonna be part of our future plans so he's not injured come march right and like again that that kind of is very reminiscent of these like mlb things that happen where they're like oh if we just don't call a guy up until you know the middle of july it doesn't count as a year of service we get an extra year like it's all those like things that the teams do so like from a team standpoint like it's just one of those things we're almost used to seeing like we're used to seeing teams find all the loopholes and whatever about but obviously, it's not surprising to see a player just be like, what the fuck? Especially because per his comments that you were playing on that on that video that just came out on Twitter, like that was when they had just beat the Chiefs. That was before this recent skit of games. Like that was back when the Broncos, remember we were talking, they started one and five. They won like four of their next five or five of their next six. They were for a hot second, like looking like they had it figured out and looking like they were going to make a playoff push, even for a second contending in the division, though that was a short second. But even even for a second, they were looking like that. So if that's when the Broncos decided to like have this conversation, that's kind of wild. And like obviously you can't point just to that, but what if that played a part in Russ like not being fully like confident, vibes, mental health, whatever you want to call it, and that led to some of the poor play? Like there's more going on, but like if you're the Broncos, it's like you you stepped in in the middle of things going well. Very weird. Very weird. Also, the way Sean Payton's run this team this year, some of the antics, the like openly Remember even like back to the beginning of the year when he was like, Russell Wilson, you know, stop kissing babies and like do your job as quarterback. Can we just point out the fact that in New Orleans, nobody kissed babies more than Drew Brees? And never once did you have an outburst about your franchise quarterback doing that. Franchise quarterbacks are different. Like for Sean Payton to come in puffing his chest and shit on Nathaniel Hackett and shit on Russell Wilson and the the outburst on the sideline, it all just rubs me the wrong way. Sean Payton – I think deserves a lot of blame here. So I don't know. Yeah. He comes across as having a huge ego and like, I get it. You won in new Orleans. You won a super bowl. That's great. Right. Lots of coaches have won super bowl in this league, even for the greatest coach of all time, Bill Belichick, people still try to find angles for him to be like, Oh, it wasn't him. It was Brady. It wasn't this. It was that. Right. So like you dude, you only have one super bowl. Like, yeah, it's impressive when the super bowl, you're not like God. Like, I feel like he's just come in and been like, I'm the alpha. Everything I say is law. It's like, dude, you like, part of the reason the team has been so bad in recent years has been dysfunction. You kind of want to like come together. It feels like everything he says is like making the team further divide apart from where it is, especially like we said, when it seemed like the team had rallied around in the middle of the season and gotten their shit together for them to just go and be like, Oh, just kidding. We're playing too well. Like what? 
Yeah, it's all very fucking weird to me, Bruno. Would you, but, so uh, Kurt, would you want, you? I'm going to ask you this before you ask me this, because I'm very, I have no idea. It, say there's some sort of split, even though I don't know how that would work, because he has seven, mil, seven years on his contract. So let's just forget the logistics, and let's just talk a purely hypothetical. Say Russell Wilson's available as a free agent. Would would we want that for the Patriots? That's that's a, a question, because I don't think we've considered that at any point else this year, or at least not really as much as people are saying right now. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would be okay with it. As long as there's a rookie involved somewhere. Um, I don't think this team is going to be competing for a whole bunch in the next year or two. Um, but I mean, Russell Wilson's stats this year, he has like 26, 27 touchdowns and eight picks. Like, what's that like? I forget. I don't know. What's like, we don't like? experience that very much. I, like... So I like, yeah, I'd, I'd be down for a little Russ. Let him cook in New England. Yeah, I mean, if we're gonna say that we're not fully rebuilding next year, which I'm not saying, I'm saying if that's what the team is saying, then maybe it's one of those situations where like you take some gambles, and if they pay off, you could have a way more surprising season than you thought. Russ would fit into that conversation of like you take a gamble, you'd see what he's got left in the tank. But like if he plays at an elite level, if our defense stays the same, if we get some more pieces on offense, say like Marvin Harrison, like you said, Marvin Harrison Jr., then that could be a recipe for just getting hot and like going on a run, right? Like if we're going to not fully get rid of Belichick and go crazy with tearing everything down, you kind of just got to hope that you get lucky with some pieces that have like a high ceiling, even if they also have high risk too. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, the off season that will be, wild and fucking nuts i'm sure will be uh, a hot topic as we as we move forward here yeah. but bruno let's uh let's transition to talk about a couple more things uh before we we get going for the evening first and foremost bruno there was a there was a score there was a score that happened last week that i think caught a lot of people by surprise uh the last monday night game on christmas day the ravens go to santa clara and pound the 49ers 33-19. to 19. Bruno, the, the score was not even as close as the, the actual score indicates. It was a curb stomping on the part of the Ravens. What is your gut reaction to this game, Bruno? Was this, was this the Ravens saying, like, hey, we're here, respect us? Or was this like the 49ers relapsing into that stretch of bad play they had earlier in the year? Kurt, I mean... It honestly, like, my gut reaction was surprise. I think we said on the pick six, we're going to believe in the 49ers until they give us a reason not to believe. I do think it definitely helped that going into this game, everyone was saying the 49ers would win, even though, again, it's like there were reasons, like, it was at home, they had been playing well. There was reasons why you would have said that. And it's not like the spread was like, you know, they were favored by 20 points. It was like just, it was just like people thought they were going to win. So the Ravens definitely used that, and that definitely helped them in this game. It's tough to say otherwise from that. At the same time, though, I don't think this is more about the 49ers. I feel like this is more about the Ravens. Like, Brock Purdy had already had his slump this year and bounced back. And, yeah, he had a pretty bad game. I, well, I, I think at one point he had four picks. I forget how many interceptions he had over the course of the game. But he played not it, great. Four. But I, yeah. Four. But, I, but I don't think, again, that's him regressing. I think that's just the, the Ravens coming in prepared and playing extremely well. And I think on offense, it's sort of the same deal. Like the 49ers have a great defense. The Ravens and Lamar Jackson were just able to like, you know, despite the ref tripping Lamar in the end zone and giving the the 49ers a safety early in the game, uh, for the most part, they were able to do the thing offensively that they needed to do. So to me, it says more about the Ravens. And that's honestly kind of exciting because 
like it's it would have been cool to root for the 49ers and blah blah like and again i'm not saying you can't anymore like it's it they're still a favorite for the super bowl but it kind of had been feeling like it was theirs to lose and now the ravens are sitting here like damn we just destroyed that what we many people thought was the best team in the league and you know now it's a conversation about can the ravens hold it together get the one seed and come out of the afc not a guarantee right knowing the ravens they just have these crazy losses sometimes out of nowhere but it says to answer your question it says more to me about the ravens and like the ceiling and like the potential they can play with than it does the 49ers i don't come out of this being like the 49ers are bad at all no 49ers will be fine i mean brock party played like shit in this game but give give credit to the ravens here bruno they just they came in with a plan they executed it perfectly and they they played flaw, a flawless game on the road against what many believe was the nfl's best team so uh what would you say the odds are that that's that's a Super Bowl matchup? I mean, honestly, pretty high because, like, on paper, it's like the NFC is kind of in shambles a little bit outside of the 49ers. And the AFC, you could kind of say the same thing. Though, again, I'm more nervous with the Ravens losing some random game in the playoffs against, like, a team that they should, probably should have beat. So, like, on paper, that's, that's pretty high. And if you ask me to predict now, and chances are if you ask me to predict in two weeks, that's what I would be predicting, right? Me too. And I will say this about the Ravens. Like, I do have some reserve about that. Like, you got to win in the playoffs. Russ has – I mean, not Russ. Lamar has to win a big game in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. we haven't really seen that yet. So, uh, no, maybe this is the year. Maybe it's the year. Uh, Bruno, as we uh, come down the stretch here too, there is a, d- a couple divisions with a lot of shit up for grabs. Yeah, Both the AFC South and the NFC South are – incredibly tight races uh for much different reasons Bruno, i'm gonna start in the afc south where we have three teams currently who are sitting at eight and seven okay jacksonville who has lost four straight games yeah currently sits at eight and seven indianapolis who lost their last game sits at eight and seven and houston who lost their last game <laughs> also sits at eight and seven tennessee at five and ten has been eliminated um with two weeks to go, what the fuck happens in this division? Dude, it's crazy how we've gotten to this point. Because think about all the variables that led to us getting here. For the Jaguars, this was supposed to be their division to lose. They had such an easy schedule this year. It was supposed to be putting all things together. They've had flashes when they've looked great. At 8-3, and three, remember when we were talking about them being a potential one seed? And now they're 8-7. So the Jaguars, it's been a banana season for what we thought of them coming into the season. The Colts lost Anthony Richardson. I know that seems forever ago because it was forever ago, but they lost Anthony Richardson. It's been Gardner Mitchell. Right there. They're somehow sitting at eight and seven. One of their wins is over the Ravens, who we just talked about. One of their eight wins is over the Ravens. People forget that. And then the Texans, again, this has long been said. We don't need to go fully into it. CJ Stroud, you know, he was picked number two. It wasn't even Bryce Young who was picked. Uh, sorry, it was Bryce Young who was picked number one. CJ Stroud has had the best rookie quarterback season we've said, seen in a long time. He was just out, and now he should be back. I think I saw that he's pretty much, maybe not fully, but they're thinking he's going to play this week. So now he's back. Now they are in seven two. So Kurt, if you're asking me who I'm predicting, that all these teams have momentum situations that aren't maybe the best from like them all reason they're losing their recent games. But if CJ Stroud is coming back. I would say the Texans because the Jaguars, they're already without Trevor Lawrence this week. It's his first game ever he's missing with injury. He's out for this week. I don't really have confidence in C.J. Beathard. And then, again, Gardner Mitchell and the Colts, it's a little too much of a wild card for me. So if you're going to ask me to bet if C.J. Stroud's coming back, I'm taking the Texans to come away with the division. I sit somewhere between the Jaguars and the Texans. Okay, Here's why. 
The Jaguars play the Panthers this week. Okay, so, yeah, no Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, hurts. But, fuck, you should still be able to beat the Panthers. True. Who knows, though? Who knows? Uh, so, the Jaguars finish with the Panthers and the Titans. So, two winnable games. However, I bet that Titans team comes ready to play that last week looking to play spoiler. So, that's that's something to pay attention to for the Jaguars. For Houston, everything you could want is right in front of you. Yep. You play the Titans next week yep. and the Colts the week after. So two division opponents, back-to-back weeks. Bruno, if the Texans, if somehow, somehow the Titans beat Jacksonville in that last game, in that last week of the season, and Jacksonville finishes 9-8, and eight, and let's say the Texans beat the Titans this week, and they're at 8-8, eight and eight, can you imagine Texans-Colts for a chance to go win the fucking division? Dude. Let's get bananas, pal. Let's get bananas. <laughs> that would be incredible. And it's not that crazy to say that could happen. Like, you're not talking about some, like, oh, like, you know, some of these playoff scenarios that are going on. It's like, oh, they need 70 different things. That's a pretty realistic situation. That would be crazy. That would be crazy. Yeah. So it's something to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, AFC South going to come down to the wire. Super quick. Bruno, don't want to breeze over it, but do just want to discuss it. Uh, in the NFC South. Bucks are eight and seven. Falcons and Saints at seven and eight. Um, so I mean, the Buccaneers seem to—they only have a one-game lead in the division, but it just feels like feels pretty safe for them. They have a big one this week. Uh, they're playing the Saints, who have always played the Buccaneers really tough. And then the Bucks end at the Panthers. So you have to think the Bucks are getting at least one more win there, which would solidify the division for them pretty much. So. Yeah, you'd have to think that, Kurt. I, I But here's the thing, right? And I, it's not just been me saying this, but it's something you have to acknowledge. Things have been going really well for the Bucks recently and for Baker recently. He's been playing himself into potentially staying around with the Bucks long term. Um, the you know He's been playing well, going into Lambeau, beating the Packers, leading the Bucks to wins. It, are we just doing one of those classic, we're waiting for the shoe to drop and things to turn around? Maybe. I hope not, for Baker's sake. Like, I hope not. But, like... You know, the, the Bucks are playing the Saints, their closest competition right now. And then the Panthers, their next two games. It's like, how do you not win those and win the division? You know what I mean? But, like, again, we say how – when we've asked the question, how does this not happen, especially this year, we've seen the answer confuse us many times. So I would think it's going to be the Bucks, but, like, we're going to find out this week whether or not that's, like, a reality or not. Yeah, we sure are. Uh, Bruno, I, I one big story here before we finish uh, and talk about just kind of the playoff standings right now. Sure. It needs to be said about the Cleveland Browns and what what they have done this year. They're on a four-game win streak with Joe fucking Flacco <laughs> as their quarterback. And they clinched a fucking playoff spot at 11-5. <laughs> so this team has had four different quarterbacks, still managed to win 11 games, have two games left. Who are they playing? One game. One game left against the Bengals. Okay. One game left against the Bengals. The I said this a couple weeks ago. The job that Kevin Stefanski has done with this team is absurd. The guy can flat out coach Bruno. If he doesn't win coach of the year, I mean, we I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. This team is balling. They're playing with energy. Bruno, I know the wrong week, whatever, but we're still going to talk about it. Last night on Thursday Night Football, 
The Browns went in, played in front of their home crowd and just blitzed the New York Jets. Now, that's not saying much because Trevor Simeon is their quarterback. It is what it is. But Joe Flacco, 19-29, 309 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Njoku had like 120 receiving yards in the first quarter. Like, this team is playing really well no matter who's behind them, um, behind center. And... Bruno, I don't know how it would happen, but all I need in my life, all I need in my entire life is for the Browns to, you know, win their first round game and somehow set up a set up a game where Cleveland and Joe Flacco go to Baltimore. And I I need the cinema. I need the <laughs> cinema. That would be incredible. Kurt just a couple things to add on for how improbable this was. You did a great job setting the scene, but just even crazier, right? Two weeks ago, Mark Cooper has like 200 yards receiving, two touchdowns is like, I'm still here. I'm a number one receiver. We hadn't seen that from him in a while because of the quarterback situation. Of all people, it's Joe Flacco getting him to the promised land for that. And then he doesn't even play last night when they threw, he throws all the touchdowns because he was injured or whatever. So that is needs to be said. Kurt, I saw this other stat that was like, since being released for the Ravens, Joe Flacco's like three and seventeen for, with the Broncos and the Jets, and he already has four wins in five games with the Browns. Fucking just adding to like the improbability of this happening overall. Kurt, I would love that for the cinema. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. This is me getting ahead of myself, but Kurt, uh, there is a world where the Browns not only could win the division but get the one seed. Let's let's not say Joe Flacco go to Baltimore. Baltimore could have to go to Cleveland if if the crazy shit happens where Baltimore loses against the Dolphins this week, which like the Dolphins are like they beat the Cowboys. They're like, you know, maybe good. Uh, I don't know. I'm not like predicting that. I'm just saying like maybe. And then the last week of the season, the Ravens have the Steelers. Anything goes in the division game. So, Kurt, like I'm just I'm mostly just kidding. But yes, Joe, Joe Flacco and the Browns going to the Ravens. That would be the most cinema of that. Would be, and like, it's like, that's a lose lose for the rate. Like, well, obviously they want to win, but it's like, you know, Joe Flacco is their hero. So that's tough. He really is Joe Flacco elite. I don't, maybe, <laughs> yes. maybe he is. Yes. Uh, Bruno, <laughs> that was a good segue talking about, you know, what's going on in the playoffs. <sighs> Let's look at it for a second. All right. Currently in the AFC, Baltimore has a lead 12 and three. They're, they're in the playoffs right now. They're the one seed. Right behind them is Miami at 11 and four. Mm-hmm. It's a two team race, really. No offense to the Browns. Really a two team race to kind of see who comes out on top uh, for, yeah. a, for, a, for a buy. Yeah. Um, I think it really means more to Miami, but I, I, we, I digress. Yeah. Um, the three seed at the moment is the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, and they finished with the Bengals and the Chargers. So. God, can you fucking imagine if they lose both and they're nine and eight? Oh, I'd love it. Um, but so the Chiefs are the three seed. Jacksonville currently is at four, at eight and seven. So the last division leader. So that will be interesting to see Texans them. What happens with yep. that? Cleveland's the five seed, the first play, the first wild card team uh, at eleven and five. Buffalo is the second wild card team, six seed at nine and six. And right now, Indianapolis holds the seven seed at eight and seven. So. Indy's a seven seed at eight and seven. Houston's right behind them at eight and seven. And then you have Pittsburgh and Cincinnati both also at eight and seven. So that those final that final playoff spot, that seven seed, really, the teams that could be are Jacksonville, Indianapolis, Houston, Pittsburgh, or Cincinnati. 
for one spot. So it will be interesting. What are your what, when I go through that list, Bruno? Anything stand out to you about about the standings? Well, Kurt, let me just start by saying I'm pretty sure. Don't look this up. I'm pretty sure there is still a world where the Chiefs could be somehow the seventh seed because I think the Raiders at seven and eight and the Chiefs at nine and six, that's two games. I think I saw something that was like, if the Raiders go 2-0, the Chiefs go 0-2 and maybe some other funny stuff happens, the Raiders would win the division. So don't quote me on that. Let's just pretend like that's true because I love the idea of the Chiefs potentially being the seventh seed and maybe not even make the playoffs. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Chiefs are going to make the playoffs. I know, crazy, call me crazy by saying that. But it would just be funny that we're now including the Chiefs for the conversation about the seventh seed when usually they've been getting the one seed every year. Um, Kurt. It's madness. I fucking love it. This is like the most fun time right now because because there's two weeks left, we're close enough to the end, but it's not like all the teams have been eliminated. Like that's one of those crazy things with this year that so many teams are alive for the playoffs. Uh, Shout out our Patriots, not alive for the playoffs. So Kurt, like there are fun teams in here and then there are teams I hope don't make it. Like the Colts would be kind of fun. The Texans, I'm hoping just win the division. The Jaguars, I hope, lose because the Jaguars have not been fun. They've just been disappointing. The Steelers, I hope, don't make it because they're just bad. They're tough to watch. They're not very fun at all. The Bengals, they had a moment with Jake Browning. They haven't been as fun recently. I'm hoping the Raiders, dude, because Antonio Pierce just has the boys fucking playing there in Vegas. Like, those, the Raiders are all of a sudden, like, I know it's kind of awkward. There's a bunch of expatriates there. You know, our boy, Jacob Myers, it's a little awkward, whatever. Jack Jones immediately playing well there. We're not definitely not salty and upset. But the Raiders would be fun, too. So I'm kind of rooting for them. So, Kurt, this has the potential to be a really fun AFC playoff race. And like the bottom of the seats like are kind of dangerous. Like Cleveland's the five seed and bills are the six seed. Those are two dangerous teams as a five and a six seed. Tell you what, I want no fucking part of the Buffalo bills. <laughs> so, uh, uh, well, cool. we'll, see uh, this week. we'll see after this week. Kurt, so if you're still saying if it ended, week. if it ended right now, yep. Baltimore's the one seed. Indianapolis goes to Miami. Buffalo goes back to Kansas City and Cleveland goes to Jacksonville. So Cleveland, you're moving on. Like Bruno, there is crazy. This is gonna be fun. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Uh Bruno, speaking of fun, yep. Let's take a peek at the NFC. Let's do it. Bruno, all of a sudden, you know, we give the NFC some shit. We do. And then rightfully so. But boy, we got it's a fun list. Yeah. So at eleven and four right now. The 49ers, the Eagles, and the Lions are all 11 and 4, 1, 2, and 3 in that order. So we have some, we have that to play out the rest of the way. Who do we, who does see? San Francisco has the Commanders and the Rams. Rams are playing some good football. Rams are playing good ball. Eagles have the Cardinals and the Giants. So realistically, the Eagles are probably going to win out. Probably. 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 But Detroit, <laughs> tough. Cowboys and. The Vikings. Yeah. So Cowboys game is tough. San Francisco. If San Francisco drops the the Rams game, maybe or something, Philadelphia is going to somehow leap back to the one seed. Bruno, this is going to be fucking crazy down the stretch here. So those top three, that's a good top three. Yep. Tampa Bay slotted in at four. You know the worst division. Yep. Uh, in football, eight and yep. seven. Dallas is the five seed at ten and five. And then you have two NFC West teams, the Rams eight and seven and Seattle eight and seven right now. Also alive, couple teams in the hunt. <laughs> uh, Vikings, Vikings, Falcons, Packers, and the Saints are all seven and eight. 
And then way down in the hunt, the Bears, six to nine, baby. Let's fucking go. So, Bruno, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, too. What Anything stand out for you in the NFC? Kurt, my thoughts for the NFC are completely different than my thoughts for the AFC. In the AFC, I want a ton of movement. I want teams that are in, out. I want teams that are out, in. My NFC thoughts, Kurt, are I want it exactly like it is, exactly like this. Because think about these matchups, Kurt. Fortiners are the one seed. They get the bye. You have the Eagles and the Seahawks. The Seahawks going to Philadelphia. The Seahawks literally already beat, just beat the Eagles already. So that's not even a guaranteed win. And I, without the Drew Lock game, that was with Drew Lock, right? And now they'd have Geno Smith back, who has more fourth quarter comebacks this year than anyone, including Drew Lock. He has like four or five, and Drew Lock has one, obviously. So that would be hilarious. And the Eagles would be so nervous, and that would make me so happy. You'd have, on top of that, Kurt, you'd have the six seed Rams going into Detroit to play the Lions. We were talking about AFC cinema. Let's talk about Matt Stafford going back to Detroit. That would be the most Lions thing of all time to finally win the division, have a great record, say they end up 12 and five, whatever they end up at. Right. And then you have to deal with Matt Stafford and a red hot Rams team coming in. That would be literally chef's kiss cinema. And then Kurt, you'd have the Bucks at the Cowboys. You'd have the Cowboys. who at one point were in the conversation for the one seed, a better record than the Bucks having to go to Tampa Bay in a little rematch of the playoffs. And Tom Brady was there. And then we'd, I'd no offense to the Panamanian pal. Like it's not like I want Cowboys misery, but again, a great season resulting in a road playoff loss in the first round. That would be, that would be peak cinema as well. So I don't want any, like, I don't want any movement from what it currently is. The Vikings, no offense, their quarterback situation. They can stay home. The Falcons get them out of here. Packers had a moment. They stink. The saints, they stink. The bears, LOL. So it's like, I don't want any of those teams. Give me it exactly as it is. Whatever needs to happen to keep this Kurt. Let's keep it. It's perfect. I agree. Bruno, I will say one thing. Don't sleep on the fucking Rams. They're playing Dude. good football right now. And you're best friends with Puka Nakua. So that'd be kind of sick. We could get him on here maybe for an interview. Sorry. Sorry about it. Puka Nakua stand. <laughs> so, Kurt, it oh. is it is so exciting. So I can't wait. I can't wait for some quality football. Let's get some football going, huh? Shall we, pal? Oh, let's go. Pip, pip. All right. Stereo. Bruno, I'm out. We're good. Good job. Good to see your beautiful face again. I'm Kurt. I'm excited. Uh, job well done. Uh, glad, you know, this is kind of fun. It's fun talking storylines and this is the perfect time of year to do so because the playoffs are happening right now. So Kurt, let's hope that this weekend uh, unfolds the way we want it to unfold. Let's hope there's some good uh, results that we see, some interesting playoff matchups be, being set up. But Kurt, before we get to that point, uh, we still also have a pick six race to do. So we'll see you uh, at some point on Sunday for that as well. We're getting down to the wire with these picks. You know, I got to make up some ground in, in order to have a chance at the end here, depending on if we do playoffs. I think one year I was so behind on pick six that you were like, let's have the playoffs be worth like two or three. And I still didn't win. We we did do that. We did. <laughs> so do that. Yeah. I guess it, I guess it might not be ending at the regular season. We'll see. But Kurt, I still need to make up ground. We'll be back on Sunday for pick six. But thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time on Playing the Field. Bye, guys. Give me-